Good morning. It's good to be here and to worship the Lord. It's good to see everybody. I'd like to welcome, if you're visiting with us, there should be a visitor's card in the back of the pew. If you would just fill that out and put it in the offering plate when it comes around. That way we'll just have a record of your visit. We would like to welcome also Brother Zach Carroll um, from up around the Brownwood area. He's going to be delivering the message this morning. Um, Brother Shannon is at conference and should be traveling back this um, afternoon and will be here in time for this evening's Bible study. And speaking of that, uh, we'll be meeting, uh, is Barbara back among us? Oh, okay. You are back. It's good to have you. Okay. It's good to have you back, Barbara. Um, but anyway, the women's Bible um, or prayer group will be at six o'clock this evening, um, and then we will be here at six thirty. Uh, we're going through the book side by side, and we'll be uh, studying chapters four and five this evening. Um, next week now we have, it's a fifth Sunday, but we're also going to have the Lord's Supper, so that'll be a special time. Um, and then, uh, let's see here, we're, and then that Sunday evening we're going to be doing a, a movie, um, and it starts at 5.30. I'm not for sure what the movie that's going to be playing is, so I guess we'll find that out maybe through the week. Um, that's all that I have. Does anybody have any announcements? Or okay. If you would, please stand. We'll do our call to worship. We're going to be doing another one of our memory verses. We're going to be in Philippians um, 3 and 9. If it's up. Okay, if you would, uh, grab a copy of God's Word, and we'll go to Philippians chapter 3. That's kind of been our morning this morning. (laughs) I swear Shannon's going to fire me. in uh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Let's worship. We'll be in our hymnals. Page 
Brandon, if we could have the children come forward for the children's sermon. you guys this morning have any of y'all ever been to Bucky's you have what's your favorite part about going to Bucky's hmm the smell it does have some pretty awesome smells what else the candy the what the beaver nut <laughs> the shopping. Yeah. The what? The shopping. The stopping. The yeah. the right. The great big clean bathrooms. Yeah. It's wonderful. Well, this is one of my favorite things from Bucky's. Have y'all had these? Huh? I haven't had that. You haven't had this? This is wonderful. Let's let's all have one this morning, okay? Y'all can reach in and get one and hold it in your mouth for a couple of minutes just to enjoy the incredible flavor of it, okay? Hold it in your mouth before you chew it up, okay? Here we go. Bucky's Cherry Sours. What? It's good? Let's see, I have to have one too. I like their orange slices and their beef jerky. They have a lot of really good things. But what does this have to do? Mm -hmm. My mama likes beef jerky. She does? I saw some this week that was like $32 a pound. Wow. You gotta really love it. Okay. What does this have to do with the children's sermon? Hmm? Okay, let me see your tongues. Look at his tongue. What about you? Is my tongue stained red? No, but I see red on your tongue. This is what it reminded me of. There's a verse in the book of James, and James was the half-brother of Jesus, and he was the leader of the Jerusalem church in the very beginning. And, you know, I am a Christian. That is my religion. And James says, through the voice of God, this is what pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. I think we all got stained this morning, don't you? Because, because we put something in our mouth that stained our tongues. But I think what the Bible is talking about is the things out there in the world that we see or hear um, that 
affect our brains and stain us inside. So we need to be very, very careful what we see with our eyes, and that includes what you see on television, movies, um, anything that you take into your brain through your eyes. And we need to be careful what we listen to because everything you listen to has an impact on your thinking. Mm-hmm. That's right. Your, your mind, your conscience will tell you if it's nasty or it's bad. So um, God has given us our consciences for that reason. That's very good. And, he, and, and it was good. <laughs> so we need to be very, very careful because we've been talking for several weeks about how we can love the Lord our God with all of our mind, heart, soul, and strength. And if our minds are um, broken by the things out in the world, we won't be able to love God fully with our minds. The good news is that Jesus Christ has, because of what he did for us, he has removed our stains before God the Father. But we need to be very careful not to... Um, get our minds soiled by the things that are out there in the world. Let's pray. Father, I just praise you this morning, Lord, for these precious children. Um, they come to us in such a perfect little package, Lord, and um, we're all impacted by the world. And your word tells us that we all get here um, broken with original sin and that our faith in Jesus Christ is the only remedy for that. And so, Father, I pray for these children that their ears will be tuned in to the gospel message, to the good news that only through faith in Jesus Christ can we come before you unstained by this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What the scripture reading is. Psalm 95, verses 1 through 5, if you'd like to follow along for this morning's scripture reading. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us give a joyous shout to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Let us sing with psalms of praise. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. He owns the depths of the earth, and even the highest mountains are his. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land there. He would please stand. <clears throat> 
seated. If we could have the ushers come forward to receive the offering.
It is good to be back with you again. Uh, my name is Zach Harrell. I am the Director of Missions for the Heart of Texas Baptist Network, so your local Baptist uh, association. We are an association made up of 60 churches across four counties. So San Saba County, Mills County, Brown County, and Comanche County make up our association, so it's a pretty big area. Uh, but we are so thankful uh, for your involvement and your generosity in helping our association uh, be who she's called to be. Before I begin, I just want to give you a little bit of an update on the association and thank you again uh, for your generosity and gifts to that and let you know kind of what's going on with us. One of the major uh, ways that our churches help bless our association and help us minister to others is through our missionary and residence house. So right by our office in Early, on the highway in Early, we have a house right behind uh, the office, a three-bedroom, two-bath house that we offer for free to missionaries who come off the field and are back in the States for a while. We currently have a young married couple. They got married in September, uh, and they moved in uh, to the house. They serve in Central Asia through the International Mission Board. So that money that you've taken up for Lottie Moon in the last few months uh, helps to support their ministry in Central Asia. Uh, they are uh, there in our house. Uh, there, They've been there since, since September when they got married. They'll be there till this September. So they have to be married a year before the International Mission Board will send them back onto the mission field. Uh, and so they serve in Central Asia. And so hopefully uh, you'll get a chance to meet them and hear their story. Uh, they're a really neat young couple uh, that God is using in powerful ways. So thank you for that. Because of your generosity, they don't pay a bill. They live there for free for the year that they are here and they just get a chance to minister to our churches and share about their work uh, overseas. So thank you uh, for that. The other thing I want to ask for prayers for is our partnership with the Southern Wisconsin Baptist Association. So our association partners with an association in Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, our churches help support three church plants in Wisconsin. So two that are in Madison, one uh, Shalom Christian Assembly is pastored by Johnson Ugorji. He and his wife are from Nigeria, and they reach out uh, to African refugees and African Americans in Madison. One is Jose Marco uh, in Emmanuel Church in Madison, and they are Hispanic church. Uh, within the city of Madison, they uh, were the first Spanish-speaking church planted. The only one going right now, Southern Baptist Spanish-speaking church, uh, and so there's a great need there. And then the third church is uh, the Arabic Church of Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, pastored by Isa Safadi. He is from Jordan. His wife is from Syria. Uh, and they are reaching out to Muslims in their surrounding area. Where their church sits just down the road is the largest mosque in the state of Wisconsin. And surrounding the mosque is a neighborhood of over 20,000 Muslims. Uh, and so they are reaching... Uh, out to Muslims with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a powerful way. And so it's been a really neat opportunity for our churches to be involved with them. If you are interested in a mission trip this summer, we are going to Wisconsin June 22nd through the 27th. And uh, we'd love to have any of you that are interested in going with us uh, to help those three churches in Madison and, and Milwaukee. The last thing is uh, we are in the process of purchasing a block party trailer for our churches to use. So what that consists of, it's just a big trailer. Within the trailer, there's two jump houses. Uh, there's a sound system. There's a popcorn machine, a snow cone machine, tables, chairs, games, a generator to run all of that. Uh, and so the idea and the hope is that our churches would use that vacation Bible schools, outreach to your community, 
Uh, and so our churches will be able to use that. We are in the process of raising funds for that. If you know anything about the cost of stuff in the last couple of years, uh, you know uh, how expensive everything's gotten. So there's a guy in Oklahoma that purchases a trailer, builds the shelves to have everything in there, and then puts everything in there. So he buys the jump houses, he buys everything else, he stocks it, and he delivers it right to our front door and early. And the cost for everything, for the trailer, for all the jump houses and all the materials, and for him to deliver it is $22,000. Uh, and so we are currently raising money for that, and our hope is that we will have it uh, we will purchase it in March so that our churches can use it this summer. And we'd love for you guys to be able to use that Black Party trailer to reach out to your community uh, this summer and be a part of that. So be praying for us as we're raising that money and, and hopefully having that as a tool that our churches uh, can use. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 6 is where I want us to look uh, this morning. One of the reasons I love scripture so much is the way that it honestly portrays life in a broken world. Sometimes we like to think of the Bible as this watered down version of almost fairy tales that teach us how to have a good life. But the truth is the Bible is extremely honest about the brokenness and the chaos of this world that's marred by sin, evil, and death. And the good news, the beauty of scriptures is not just honest about the world, it reveals to us the one who's the creator, sustainer, savior, and redeemer of that world. The Bible reveals the character and nature of God to us so that we can live in this broken world by faith in him. Every page of scripture reveals God's power, presence, and promises. The Bible doesn't sugarcoat what life is like in this world. We see the men and women in Scripture suffer. We see them walk through hardship. We see them betrayed. We see them struggle with questions. We see them feel alone. We see them sin and fail. We see them wonder where God is and wonder what God is doing. We see them walk through valleys. So often in our church culture this day, we just portray the Christian life as a series of mountaintop experiences. And for sure there are moments of great joy walking through this world as a follower of Jesus. But the reality in the Christian life is that we will also walk through the valleys of this world. Because this world in its current state is filled with those valleys. We will walk through moments of hardship and sickness, suffering and grief. And I love scripture because scripture is honest about that truth. It is honest about the struggles of this world. It's honest about how hard it is for us to walk by faith. To walk through valleys trusting God and his plan. His sovereignty and his goodness. Life is hard. And aren't you glad I'm here today, right? The reality of living in between the victory of the cross and the resurrection and the tangible fulfillment of that victory when Jesus returns is this hardship, suffering, and sickness. 
We stand on the hope. We build our lives on the hope that the death and the resurrection of Jesus defeated Satan, sin, evil, and death. And that when Jesus returns, all of those things will be wiped away. Every tear will be wiped away. Death will be no more. Suffering and sickness will be no more. We'll be reunited with those that we love and have gone on. That's our hope. But in the middle of that, in between those, we'll walk through these hardships and this suffering, this world marred by sin. So the question then becomes, how do we live in this world? How do we walk through those valleys? How can we faithfully follow Jesus in our moments of suffering and sickness, loss and grief? You know, there's two stories in Scripture. Two characters in Scripture who find themselves in prison. And when they find themselves in prison, in this hardship and in this suffering, they respond with this amazing faith. One of them is Joseph, right? So Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. Then he gets this great job at Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife makes this accusation and lies on Joseph, and he's thrown into prison. He's falsely accused. He's falsely imprisoned. And yet, over and over again, Joseph responds with this amazing faith. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. We think of the Apostle Paul, betrayed, arrested, thrown into prison, and yet in the middle of the night he's singing the songs of the faith, showing his faith in the midst of being in prison. But there's another account. One of the main characters in Scripture finding himself in prison on trumped-up charges. And in Matthew chapter 11, we find John the Baptist in prison simply because he called out the ruling authority of his day on his sin. Called him to repentance. And John the Baptist was thrown into prison. And I want us to look at this account of John in prison because what we see in Matthew chapter 11 verses 1 through 6 is John struggling with this situation. We have John asking a question. We see John with doubt. We see John wondering if what he's given his life for was worth it in many ways. We see John with these unmet expectations. We see an honest account of what it is often like in our hard moments, in our suffering, in our unmet expectations. And through this account, I believe we see the key to walking through moments of hardship and struggle, questions and doubt, with faith, hope, and love. So look with me at Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through six to see this account of John the Baptist dealing with his questions and doubts and the response of Jesus to this question and John's doubt. Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we'll read through verse 6. When Jesus had finished giving instructions to his 12 disciples, he moved on from there to teach and preach in their towns. Now when John heard in prison what the Christ was doing, he sent a message through his disciples and asked him, 
Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news, and blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. We see John send his followers to ask Jesus a question. We see the response of Jesus. And in these six verses, I'd like to make two points this morning. Number one, in our moments of hardship, in our moments of suffering, in our moments of unmet expectations, we will sometimes doubt. This story is powerful to me because it gives me hope. There are moments, there have been moments in my life where I have doubts and questions. There are moments where I wonder what God is doing. When I wonder where God is in the midst of the suffering and sickness of this world. And I think if we're brutally honest with ourselves in this room today, we all know exactly what I mean. This passage reminds us That in our moments of helplessness, in our moments of suffering, in our moments of struggle, we will often doubt and question. Can I bring freedom to you this morning? If you've ever doubted, if you've ever had a question, you are not alone. Scripture is full of examples where the heroes of our faith had a question or two. Where in a moment they doubted. I think of Elijah after he defeats the prophets of Baal. He's just waiting in a cave and he thinks he's the only one who's faithful to God. God comes to him and he's sleeping and he's been there for days and he says, Elijah, what are you doing? And Elijah throws himself this big pity party, right? He's like, everybody else has left you, God, but I've stayed faithful and yet I'm having to run for my life and hide in this cave. And God says, come out from the cave. I want to speak to you. This big fire comes by, but God's not in it. Big earthquake happens, but God's not in it. And then there's this gentle wind. And the still, small voice of God reminds Elijah that he has a plan and a purpose, that he's with him, and that he's not alone. Job, he asked a few questions. David, Jacob, Abraham, Moses, the disciples. And here in our passages, we see, in this passage, we see one of the heroes of the faith have a moment of doubt, faces imprisonment with a question. Just think with me for a moment about who John the Baptist is. He's not just a regular disciple, he's the cousin of Jesus. In fact, when Mary is pregnant with Jesus and enters into Elizabeth's house and John the Baptist is in Elizabeth's womb, we're told that when Mary comes and announces John in the womb, jumps for joy. John's told his whole life because his father received it from an angel in the temple that he is 
being raised and set apart and called to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, to prepare the way for the coming of your cousin who is the Messiah. And one day John is baptizing in the Jordan River and Jesus appears. He's walking up and John proclaims, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And John takes his cousin and he baptizes him in the Jordan River. And when Jesus comes up, John is there when the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. John has given his life to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus. He has been faithful in every way. He's given up every possession he had to live in the wilderness and call God's people to repentance. And yet he finds himself in prison facing death. Unmet expectations. This isn't how it was supposed to be. And he has a question. John is not where he expected to be. John is not where any of us would expect to be. And maybe in your life you find yourself there this morning. Maybe you feel like you've been faithful. You've tried to follow Jesus with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yet here you are facing this valley, facing this sickness, facing this suffering, facing this hardship, facing this struggle, facing this battle, and you have some questions. John the Baptist finds himself in a moment of wondering, is Jesus who he said he was. Is Jesus truly the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world? Is Jesus what I've given my life for? And was it worth it? John finds himself dealing with doubt. So he gathers his followers, those who have been with him in the wilderness in his ministry, and he tells him to go to Jesus and to ask one question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for someone else? Are you the Savior? Are you the promised one? Are you the one the prophecies were all about? Are you the Messiah? Or should we be waiting for someone else to come? Because in this moment, I've got a question about it. It's not how John thought this would play out. He must be wondering what in the world is happening. The prison cell was not where he expected to be, and yet here he is. And in this moment, he just wants to know if Jesus is all he has claimed to be, if he's truly bringing salvation and redemption, restoration and resurrection. Are you the one? So the followers of John show up where Jesus is teaching. And they ask him this question. Are you the one? And then to, to me, Jesus responds with such grace. 
Because the answer he gives is not to rebuke John for his doubt or question. He doesn't tear into the followers of John for asking the question. He doesn't condemn John for his doubt. He understands this is not all playing out how everyone expected. In fact, Jesus, this isn't the last time he's going to deal with unmet expectations. The disciples are going to bring these expectations up over and over and over again. All the way up until the moment before he ascends, right? Where they're standing there in Acts chapter 1 and they ask before Jesus ascends. They've seen the resurrection. They've seen these miracles. And they ask, is it now time for the victory? Are you now going to whoop the Romans and let us take over our place? Unmet expectations. But Jesus doesn't condemn John for his doubt. How does Jesus answer? He answers by pointing to himself. The second thing we see is that in our moments of hardship, suffering, in our moments of unmet expectations, in our moments of doubts and questions, we must turn our eyes to Jesus. Jesus doesn't give a long, detailed answer arguing against John's doubt. In fact, what he does is quote scripture. He quotes Isaiah 61. A prophecy about the ministry of the promised Messiah, the Savior, the one who's going to come and bring redemption and restoration, the one who is going to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He quotes Isaiah 61. He tells the followers of John, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Now in the gospel accounts, this is the second time Jesus quotes this passage. The first time he goes back to Nazareth. And he's standing in the synagogue on the day of worship. And when it comes time for the teaching part of the service, he stands up and he grabs the scroll of Isaiah. And he turns to Isaiah 61. And he quotes that passage right there that I just read back to you. The same passage he tells John's disciples to go back to John with. He reads that passage and then he rolls up the scroll. And they're expecting this long sermon. They're expecting this teaching, this exposition of what that passage means. And all he says is, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus takes the mantle of this prophecy and tells Nazareth in the synagogue, this is about me. And what he's telling the disciples of John is go back and tell him what you've seen and what you've heard. I am the one. Tells the followers of John, go back. Tell him the things I'm doing. Tell him the ways that God's promises are being fulfilled. Go back and remind John of who I am. Jesus doesn't shy away from being the Messiah. In fact, 
he tells the followers of John to go back and remind John of that amazing truth. In John's doubt, Jesus reminds him to turn his eyes back to Jesus. John is looking at the prison cell. John is looking at the disappointment of unmet expectations. John is looking at the hardship of suffering and the very real reality of death. And Jesus sends his followers back to remind John not just to look at the prison cells, but to turn his eyes back on Jesus. Go and tell what you've seen and what you've heard. Go and tell about the lives being changed. Go and tell about the promises being fulfilled. Go and tell that the kingdom has come. Go and tell that salvation is here. It may be hard to see from the darkness of the prison cell you're currently in, but the light of the world has come and the days of darkness are numbered. It may be hard to see from your days of sickness and suffering. But the healer has entered into the world. And the days of sickness and suffering are numbered. It may be hard to remember and to see when you're filled with grief and loss. But the Lamb of God has entered into the world. The way, the truth, and life has entered into the world. Resurrection has entered into the world. And death's days are numbered. It may be dark in your cell, John. But with your eyes on me, the light will shine. The sick are being healed. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. The dead will rise. Now this good news doesn't get John out of prison. In fact, he won't get out of prison. He'll be killed a few short chapters later. But what it does is it points John to the only hope any of us have in this broken world. To the place where we find strength to walk through the valleys. Hope to deal with the unmet expectations. Endurance to suffer. How do we face doubt faithfully? By keeping our eyes, our hearts, our lives focused on Jesus. Jesus fulfills every promise of God. Paul tells us in Jesus all of the promises of God find their amen. So in our doubt, we can know he will never leave us or forsake us. With our questions, we can know nothing can snatch us out of our Father's hand. In the valleys we can know that he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. In our unmet expectations we can know that he's working together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We can know nothing will stop Jesus. Nothing will stop his return and nothing will stop the resurrection to come. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our joy. In our moment of hardship, in our moment of suffering, in our moment of grief, in our moment of doubt, may we turn our eyes to focus 
on Jesus. And maybe you walked through these doors this morning and you are struggling with doubts. You are struggling with questions. You are struggling with unmet expectations. Can I be the followers of John to you? And can I tell you what I've seen and what I've heard? Can I tell you that Jesus is your hope? Can I tell you that Jesus has won the victory over every sickness and every death? May I tell you that Jesus is with you and for you. May I tell you that Jesus is working even when you can't see him, feel him, or hear him. Can I tell you the good news this morning that in your darkness, Jesus will shine the light of his glory and grace. Can I tell you the good news of the gospel? That in our brokenness, Jesus has come. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the message paraphrase of that, I love it, it says, the word entered into our neighborhood. In our brokenness, we are not alone. In our darkness, the light will shine. This chapter begins with the doubts and questions of John the Baptist, with Jesus pointing John back to the good news of the gospel. But I love where this chapter ends as well. If you'll look with me one more time in Matthew 11, verses 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Everything has been handed over to Jesus. He is sovereign over every moment of your life. He is on the throne, and he calls all of us who are weary, all of us who are burdened, all of us who are doubting and questioning this morning, and he invites us to find rest in his sovereignty, rest in his goodness, rest in his victory, rest in his love. He calls us to take his yoke and his burden, to submit all of our life to him and his way, to lay down trying to do this on our own, in our own power, in our own strength, to submit to him by faith in his power and his grace. So what burden are you carrying this morning? What burden is weighing you down today? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Lay it down and take on his yoke, his burden. Give your life to him and find hope, peace, and joy. We live in a broken world. But God has not left us alone in our brokenness and suffering. He entered into our brokenness and suffering. And he won the victory over the evil of this world. 
Jesus died and three days later he rose again. Death has no power over him. Sickness flees at his voice. He is the fulfillment of every promise. He is our hope. He is our joy. He is our peace. We will struggle. We will have doubts and questions. But in these doubts and in these questions, in these unmet expectations, we can turn our eyes, our hearts, and our lives back to Jesus. If you ever doubt that God is with you, if you ever doubt that God loves you, if you ever doubt that God is on the throne, preach the gospel to yourself. Remind yourself that Jesus entered into the brokenness, that Jesus lived the sinless life we could never live, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, truly the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus rose again. And the promise is still to come that he will return and make all things new. Lay your burdens, lay your doubts, lay your questions down at his feet and find rest in him. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a hymn of response this morning. Maybe you've walked into this room with those doubts and with those questions. Those unmet expectations. Turn your eyes back to Jesus. You're not alone. Sometimes we feel that way, right? Sometimes we come to church and we've got to put the smile on and we feel like we're the only ones walking through a valley. We're the only ones that may have a doubt or a question in this moment. We're the only ones, but it's not true. We've all been there. We're all in this together. Turn your eyes back to Jesus. This is our moment to respond. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing. I'll be down front if you'd like to talk or pray. I'd love to talk and pray with you. The altar's open. Maybe you just want to respond there in your seat. But as we walk through this world and we encounter those unmet expectations, would our eyes turn back to our only hope, Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, thank you for passages like this in Matthew 11 that remind us that we are not alone. They give us hope that in our struggle, in our doubt, with our questions, and our unmet expectations, Jesus meets us with his grace and calls us back to himself. So this morning, for those in this room that are dealing with those doubts, those questions, those unmet expectations, would you call them back to Jesus today? Turn our eyes back to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Brother Harold. Um, this time, we'd like to uh, basically go uh, discuss some of the uh, things that have happened this week concerning illnesses and so forth. Uh, we had a couple of ladies who've had some surgeries done. Uh, Jan Bothinghouse, surgery on her neck. Um, it, does anyone have any further report on, on Jan? Um, did, uh, is she, how's she doing with rehab? Is, uh, I understand she's is experienced quite a bit of pain. Yes, yeah, Obviously. Mm -hmm. So she needs prayer in that sense. Um, Mel Hedrick uh, had surgery with ruptured spine. Uh, is there any uh, further report on her? Okay. Not. Does anyone have anything else that? Uh, they would like to share this time concerning anything of this nature. Okay. All right, well, let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you that we had the opportunity to come together to, to praise and worship you, Lord. We just thank you for this message of faith, of hope, and of your love, your great love for us, that uh, your willingness to, to give your son to die on the cross and shed blood to cover our sins, Lord. Um, greatest love story ever told. Lord, I just pray for these that are on our prayer list. Just lift each one of them up to you, Lord. Pray for healing. Pray for comfort. Uh, pray for uh, Jan and for Nell in particular for uh, the time of recovering from their surgery and, and in Jan's case, impending further surgery on her shoulder. Uh, Lord, I just uh, pray that you'll comfort them, heal them, Lord. Uh, help uh, Jan through her uh, therapy. Uh, understand how great the pain can be and how difficult it can become. And we just pray that you give her the strength and the willingness to, to continue with it and improve and recovery. I just do thank you for hope. Thank you for uh, the faith. Uh, the stronger our faith, the stronger our hope, the, the stronger our love. We just pray that you guide us and direct us as we go through this day. And just thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit and moving in our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Dismissed. Great Commission. I was really forgot. If everyone will stand, somebody should have gone. <laughs> okay. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.